welcome to episode 102 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I test our reflexes and our wits as we swipe, twist, tap, wordsmith, and watch TV. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. That sounds like a dexterous test of our abilities. Yes, it's a pretty. We got to be pretty flexible for tonight's episode, I think. And so we're going to be flicking through all kinds of games later on. But before we get there, we get to flip through the channel guide with the brand new Apple TV app. So we first got to see this back in March at the Apple event with the new Apple TV Plus and all that good stuff. But specifically, the Apple TV app without that new subscription service is a rebranding and relaunching of the existing Apple TV app. And it's available with iOS 12.3, which is now available to download for iOS. And you can also update your Apple TV with the new app and... Really, it's a refining and kind of enhancement of the existing thing. So the existing Apple TV app lets you connect in Showtime and HBO, Amazon Prime, Hulu, all that good stuff. So you can kind of continue watching from there. So now they've refined it with these new channels where instead of directing you to HBO Now app, they have the ability to subscribe to HBO right within the Apple TV app. And really the biggest change is this new suggestions machine learning engine. So it sees that you like Game of Thrones or you like Handmaid's Tale. And since you like these, you'll like this. So it's more about that kind of recommendation engine. But again, it also has the built-in ability. If you do subscribe to HBO within the Apple TV app, you can watch Game of Thrones right there within the app. But if you subscribe through HBO Now... It will just say open in and it will send you over to the HBO Now app to watch. Right. Yeah. So they really I I mean, I I don't use this app. I hardly ever use uh, my Apple TV as it is, but it is a nicely designed app and it is a nice go to place if you want to watch across all of these various subscription services. I think where the app really shines is if you are someone who decides to subscribe through these new channels, because not only can you uh, go ahead and just quickly access all this thing and not be flipping between apps, but it also gives you additional features because as far as uh, I can tell, it I think what happens is for these streams, you're getting the content right from Apple servers. So like Game of Thrones, instead of going to HBO servers, it's streaming from Apple servers, and it gives you the ability to watch anything offline if you want to. So it, in, within the HBO app, you cannot choose to download to watch things offline. But now within this Apple TV app, if you're subscribed through the channel, then it, it gives you the option of downloading. You get a little cloud and you can download episodes for offline viewing because that's Apple's big push. Remember they said that all the content you'd be able to watch through this Apple TV app, you'd be able to watch offline or online. So it's going to be able to uh, just download anything to your device and you never have to worry no matter which of these services, but you will have to subscribe through Apple's new channel option to get all those features. Whether they come in the future, I don't know, but really it's another way they're trying to kind of drive you towards subscribing through them so they get that other piece of the revenue. And there's also the new kids app or the kids section of the app, and they've refined the sports section and they kind of enhanced the library section. So it's all these just different tabs. But 
If you focus on that main page, it should sync all the other tabs in. So if you subscribe to MLB at bat or you have ESPN with your cable subscription, it should then tie in with your favorite teams right into what's up next or all that continue watching view. And for me, it seemed like just enabling this improved my continue watching section. Like I use different accounts. Like I have a work account for Amazon Prime. And then I use my parents' account on Hulu. And then I use a personal account on HBO. So I have all these different accounts under different email addresses. And so the previous version, it didn't seem to be able to sync that up. But now just testing it out today, that continue watching has everything from Hulu and HBO and Amazon Prime all right in the continue watching section right at the top of the Apple TV app. Yeah, I remember when Apple was pushing for that, let's make it easy with a single sign-on. Well, not everyone has a single sign-on for all of these various services. So it, it didn't ever make sense to me that they're doing that push where you're an exact use case. You have all these different accounts and you want to be able to access them all within the one Apple TV app. And you, you don't always want to authenticate with just that one single username or single email address. and yeah, that makes sense if you're subscribing through all of Apple's channels, but in the real world, people already have subscriptions. They're not necessarily going to move them all over, and it's good that this thing now works well for the continue watching across all these different uh, services, depending on no matter how you sign on to them. Because that's the ultimate dream, is to kind of sync it all together. I'm watching Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, and then I'm going to switch over and watch Bosch on Amazon Prime. And to have kind of that suggestion, well, you liked both of these from different services, and now we'll suggest something else, rather than Amazon saying, oh, you just like Bosch, so you'll like this, or Hulu saying you just like Handmaid's Tale, so you watch this. So to kind of sync it all together and suggest it off. But of course, the elephant in the room that's missing is Netflix, and Netflix isn't going to be a part of the Apple TV app. So all the content that you watched there and all the potential possible suggestions are completely removed from the practicality of this service going forward. Right. And who knows? There's also the big question of, is Apple really going to be just <clears throat> basing it solely on what you watch? Or are they getting a payback to maybe push one channel over another? Maybe they get more revenue from one channel. So they're going to push content from us from this channel to you saying, hey, we suggest this because they want to drive you to go and subscribe to some channel you don't necessarily subscribe to yet or something that's earning them more revenue. Or once the Apple TV Plus content comes out, are they really going to be pushing that hard instead of giving you better content, like content choices of things you already subscribe to? Are they just going to try to push on additional services? Because as we discussed last week, that's really where they're going to and where the money is going to be coming from is pushing more and more services to their customers. Right. And also that kind of questions, how does Disney Plus fit into this? Are they going to be part of the Apple TV app? And is Apple going to bury it over their own Apple TV Plus content? And it's a delicate balancing act. So this is just to start with kind of the the ones who don't have the big, huge catalogs. And then the big catalogs are question marks. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's sad because, I mean, it would be so much more useful to every person if they could get all of their streaming services, 
all of their content in one place. It would drive them to your app. It's, they would be never leave your app if you could somehow keep them within there, and they would probably buy other movies or buy other services if they can just stay within that app. And I, I think it's kind of short-sighted for them not to work out a deal to get everything in there if it means that people will stay within your device, your uh, app, and always kind of go there as their one-stop shop for TV watching. Yeah, definitely. And then speaking of your device, Apple actually announced AirPlay 2 a while back, and that was mainly about HomePod syncing, but it includes the capabilities to work with third-party TVs and third-party set-top boxes. And so now AirPlay 2 works with the new Apple TV app, and on launch day, select brand-new Samsung TVs will let you download the Apple TV app with AirPlay 2. And then going forward, LG is going to roll out some new models. There's no word on kind of the lower price TVs like Hisense and TLC and Vizio working with. Uh, Vizio is one of them. Okay. So yeah, they're... no, Vizio was one. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's going to be kind of this hit or miss as it's going to roll out. And also specifically, is it going to come to older models? Like say you bought a TV in 2017 or 2018. They're not exactly old TVs, but then it comes with that backdated support and based on Apple CarPlay, like I know cars are different than TVs, but Apple's been reluctant to have their stuff work on older models. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it a way that they can add this just with a software update or does it have to be like some kind of a hardware thing? I, I don't know, but it would be nice if they would add it to other TVs. But obviously deals have to be worked out and money has to be exchanged hands for licensing. But you would think, once again, like, I don't understand why they're so stingy on on these sorts of things. The more houses, the more places you can get this out to, the more you're going to hook people into your infrastructure, and they're not going to want to leave your devices if you make it so they can use your devices with any TV, anything. Like, that's a lot of people bought the the Apple TV just so they could do AirPlay to their TV and put their videos from the phone right onto the TV. If they could work out deals where no matter what TV someone owned and they would still be able to use their iPhone, they're never going to leave that iPhone because they know that they can just easily put their content right onto whatever TV they own. Where now if you have like other options, you may not necessarily, maybe you go away from the iPhone. But I, I, it just, I don't know why these deals can't be worked out. Right. That's the tough one. And I mean, I understand Netflix is probably not coming to the table, but... On the hardware side of things, if you can get Samsung on board, who's the main competitor for your phone, then you should be able to get everyone. Like, I think Roku is going to be on board. And if you can get like Amazon Alexa based or Fire Stick based devices, that's whole another inclusion. Because also, once you have the Apple TV app, you can connect HomeKit enabled devices through it. And it's, it opens up a big potential opportunity for Apple if they can really expand from just Apple TVs to millions of other devices from Samsung and LG and Roku and Amazon and whatever the case may be. Is HomeKit even still a thing? I don't know. It just seems like it, that's another one of these things that Apple has pretty much gone completely quiet about. I, it is. I guess it's still The potential there. is there. if they Because I think the reason it fails is because you need an Apple TV or specifically an iPhone, a, a newer iPhone with the like Bluetooth 5 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have your hub, yeah. And so if you expand that hub potential, 
that can only help, and that's what Airplay 2 is all about. But it's really, it's kind of a different path for Apple to be working with outside manufacturers, but then it comes back to the idea of expanding services and specifically having the new Apple TV Plus streaming service available on more than just iOS devices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other just side effect from this whole iOS 12.3 update was for some reason, my iPad would no longer authenticate to messages and FaceTime. I installed the update and I was able to reconnect. And so finally, my iMessages are syncing across my iPad as well from my iPhone and my Mac and everywhere else. So at least that was a nice little update that came with the uh, free freebie that came with the update. And it's worth noting, it's avail- there's an update available for the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, Mac, as well as iOS, and all of them are running relatively stable. There's no like serious major bug fixes or flaws. So if you're waiting on that, all the early fr- adopters have gone through it and made sure there's not big, huge bugs. Yep. So update your devices and you can access the new Apple TV app and see if it is a better experience and maybe get you using it more. Yep. For me, I actually am going to try to use it more. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. And then I guess that's time for some games. And there was a bunch of games this week. Some were quickly, instantly forgettable as usual, but some kind of stood up a little bit better. It's worth noting that both Brett and I are still playing Golf Blitz from last week. So if you haven't downloaded that free game, the online race-based golf experience, please do so. Yeah, and not just playing, like obsessed with it still. Playing quite a bit of it. Right. It's it's extremely addictive, so keep that in mind. It comes with a word of warning before you do download it. Yes. And then there's Kingsman The Secret Service, which is a new game actually it came out last week, but we're talking about it this week, and it's based on the now relatively older movie. I mean, it's based on the first movie, and there's already been a sequel, and I think the sequel came out two years ago, so... They're coming out with a game now for whatever reason. It's a kind of like an action platformer, though it's more kind of puzzle platformer. So it has kind of the Assassin's Creed ideas where you have these stealth kills and you're more methodical way through the world. And then it's set in such a way that time freezes, at least temporarily, when you jump in the air and you're going into enemies. So you can have these kind of like bullet time special shots. But the overarching game is you control Eggsy and you go on this new mission and each kind of level sets it builds itself into the storyline and it all comes down to sneaking through these underground facilities killing people stealthily or doing these over-the-top action sequences but all in kind of freeze frame it's really weird that it's this action idea based on an action movie but it goes to this more puzzly gameplay. Yeah, it's supposed to be kind of like a stealth action game, but to me, I think they almost went a little too stealthy because it seems like with that whole freeze framing, everything pretty much stops on screen. You have so much time to fire. It's that that movie. Yeah, they give you like fast. ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, the movie was fast and everything was so quick. Where this seems like you have an eternity to shoot, and it just makes ends up making it much too easy, and it kind of disrupts the flow of the game they did do some nice little touches with the controls which i thought were going to help keep things smooth and running like everything was going to just really fast motion so when you come up to an enemy 
they'll get this little thing above them for like shooting them or knifing them. And you can tap right on the screen on this little target symbol that kind of appears above them and it'll shoot at them. But the other option is there's this kind of a universal button that's right down where your hands are normally are. So on the left side of the screen, you can drag and it's almost like a, a virtual D stick and you can move around with that. And then over on the right, you have this uh, weapon selection and then this kind of button that just turns into what it needs to be. So it can turn into the, the little target symbol to shoot your gun at someone or it can turn into a little chest to open a chest. But it's always changing. So you never have to move your hand off the sides of your iPad and up and tap the screen, which would really throw off the rhythm of the game. But then again, they kind of kill all that great, like, setup they have by really slowing things down way too much. And you have an eternity to shoot and kill. And I just wish it was either another difficulty level to make it faster or something to speed up the action because it just, it never speeds up. Like, so I played through. I think at least half of the game, maybe more uh, at this point, and it just never actually gets any faster. And I just it was kind of disappointing because I love the setup. It does a nice job of kind of getting you in that world. It just is not terribly challenging. Yeah, it's really super easy. You're kind of just going through the motions after a while because the action sequences all kind of blend together. It's not like it's going to come up with new complex sequences to make it through so you're always in that same kind of idea you'll either sneak up behind one enemy at a time or you'll get into a room where there's three enemies or you'll get to a room where there's a more powerful enemy that takes multiple hits and that's kind of the extent of the sequences that you're going to play so you're kind of just going through the motions to make it through this story and I just wish they did something, just like you. Some kind of gameplay change, gameplay twist, difficulty increase, time sequence alterations. But as is, it's tough to keep going through this game. Yeah, and well, and especially because they actually make it easier because you eventually start to unlock this umbrella gun, which protects you from getting hit while you're shooting. And so it only makes, granted, they do make it so that some of the enemies need multiple shots to take them down. But if you're protected by this umbrella gun, unless you run out of bullets and have to use the other gun, you have plenty of time to take them out. Even if you get hit a couple of times, you still have health. There's health, other health pickups where you can revive yourself. I just, Hopefully they kind of, I don't know what kind of feedback they're getting, but I'm kind of hoping that they do something to add a little bit of difficulty. But as it is, yeah, it's, it. unfortunately, it's tough for me to fully recommend it just because it is so easy, but uh, I guess, who knows? What I think is easy, someone else might think is is challenging, but I can't imagine. It's not just the easiness. I think it's the lack of variety, where the levels kind of blend together. It's tough to tell them apart once you're a few levels into the game. Like, the scenery changes, but the overarching scheme doesn't. You have that, you know, trajectory jump, which, as soon as they put that in, I thought that was a little weird. And now, once you get into the game, it makes sense that it's all about more of this puzzle, you know, aiming into a specific positions to dodge and then be able to fire away. So I just I, I couldn't really get into it all. I don't think it's an easy thing. I think it's a lack of variety and it's such an odd time to release a game based on Kingsman. Yeah, well, I wish they, if they're going to do this with all stealth, get rid of the guns completely. 
Mm-hmm. Make it so you got to sneak up on people and take them out that way. And I think it would be a much better game if they had not. That's that's another option. Like, give us an option where we have no guns, and now you really have to be sneaky and take people out stealthily. It's granted it kind of goes against Kingsman, but I I think it would be a better game. Yeah, because there's a lot of stealth games available on the App Store that have done kind of a better job. So. You're you're in a tough area to compete with. Yep, yep. So that's Kingsman, the Secret Service. It's two ninety nine and it's universal. And then there's Jump Grid, which is a fast paced kind of action platformer where you have a grid of nine diamonds and you have this little like ship and all you have to do is swipe on the screen to move across this grid. So you swipe left, right, up and down, and as you go there's more and more challenging obstacles. And things are fast-paced and quick to the point that you'll have kind of these almost scrolling pillars that slide in covering certain aspects of the grid. And you'll need to jump over them left or right. And everything's constantly moving. So you'll have, you know, maybe a cross on the screen that's scrolling left and right and up and down. And you have to time your jumps to be able to hop over the obstacle and then reach all of the nine different diamonds and the levels flow they're stacked on top of each other you know there's not like numerous uh menu screens or you know three star scoring system or anything like that you complete a level and you might die as soon as the next level appears just because this big column comes and squishes your little ship just so you just got to get into the flow and rhythm of it i mean you get to restart as soon as you die so it keeps you fully engaged and going from level to level Right, yeah, I love that you immediately start all over again. Granted, it would might be. I actually, I kind of like that. There's no countdown because then you don't have to wait. You can just jump right in. But the the first time it restarts, you're not going to realize. Wait a minute, I'm restarting right now, and you, you may not move quick enough. But then you start to get the hang of it, and I love that there's no ads. You're just quickly jumping right in. You immediately start right back up, right where you, where you left off. Uh, this is by Ian McLarty, who uh, did Boston X and Dissembler, which I believe we talked about, which was a, a great little uh, puzzle game as well. But this kind of had, to me, that whole feeling of, I think it was called Eye Slash. You remember that game? It was mm-hmm. almost like where you're like, you're like moving your fingers around. This was the one where you're like moving your fingers around, almost like the knives were coming out trying to cut your fingers. Okay, and yeah. Like a, yeah, and a couple yeah, your of fingers them, gonna get damaged. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and a, a couple of these, they almost looked like those knives coming at me. And I, I just, it's so fast paced where you have to quickly kind of swipe through this grid. And what I didn't realize at first was you can swipe off the grid in the opposite direction you pop in on the other side so that you have to use on some of these levels in order to be able to solve them in time because otherwise you're never going to be able to jump out of the way unless you were jump clear across the other side of the screen but one of the awesome things they've done with the game is for someone who's like doesn't have the best reflexes and gets super frustrated and means you can't move on if you cannot pass a level, you're not going to be able to move on. You're not going to be able to even get to the boss battle. And then at the boss battle, if you don't pass that, you can't unlock the next set. Well, they were brilliant in including this option under the options where you can reduce the speed of everything. You can drop it down to as low as 10% of the actual speed if you're that bad at a certain (laughs) level. And 
just be a uh, granted it's a little odd because i popped it down just to see it was almost too slow yeah, you get so, used to that fast pace and now you're like waiting yeah. eternity and you jump now you gotta early. wait for the things yeah. to move yes and so but i love the fact that they included this because now anyone can pass the level you don't have to there's no like oh i gotta pay for a skip or anything like that no it, you can just set the time down you learn the rhythm you know what you have to do and just keep on setting down the the speed a little bit if it's still a little too fast for you until you pass it and then bump it back up and then have your challenge again but i thought that was a, an awesome idea like I, I i haven't seen that in any of these type of games normally it's like if you can't pass it too bad you don't play you like you try again right it's a whole different kind of approach just because they want you to go through all these levels and you get into that speed run option to also play if you really are good at this game but if you like any of those kind of fast-paced arcade action experiences available on the App Store, Jump Grids fits perfectly in that line. And, you know, the grid is always kind of that same set shape, but it's amazing all the different complexities and obstacles they throw at you to make you always challenged through the sequences. Like you said, jumping off the screen to then come back in on the other side just because of the way the new obstacles are challenged you and the way the columns and things slide into the screen yeah i mean it almost becomes like dragon slayer where you have to like memorize like combinations of moves and you learn maybe your first instinct isn't correct but then you kind of rejigger and you try again and i just one other aspect of the game where they have icloud sync as well which worked flawlessly so i went from my ipad loaded it up on my iphone and just played a few more levels i was right where i left off and then i can jump immediately back go over to the ipad and continue playing where i left off i prefer it on the ipad just where i have a little more room and can see everything a little bit better they did have an option to turn off kind of the flashing if that's something that bothers you so a lot of thought has gone into uh, really making this as accessible as possible to any skill level, any device you want to play on, and I, I'm just I'm impressed. I I don't play a lot of these type of games usually because I am so bad at them, but I do. I I've been having a lot of fun with this, and it is just like you said. It's amazing the variety they're able to get with that same nine uh, nine diamond grid and just the all the different variety and movements and things you have to think about just with each new obstacle that comes in. Of course, there's also the fun challenge. Once you collect those nine diamonds, you also have to get to the exit portal. There's multiple times <laughs> where I've collected all nine diamonds and then died before I got to the portal. Those are fun. Yeah, that's happened to me a few times as well. Yeah, so that's Jump Grid. It's two ninety nine and it's universal. And then there's Call Me Frazy, which is a... A word game, and we don't talk about that many here on the podcast, but it's definitely a different one. So it kind of builds on the idea of the before and after Jeopardy clues, where, you know, these certain things then combine together. So they call them puns, like the whole description and everything, but they're not really punny. It's more before and after, like, quote for quote, and then they're going to be split into different sections, like... There'll be a horror section or a sci-fi and fantasy section. So there's going to be a lot of movies and TV shows referenced. So the more kind of well-versed you are in pop culture, the more ideas you'll have to kind of dive into these. As an example, it's like Iron Man plus Fabric Softener, and it's Robert 
downy softener or whatever. And there's hints <laughs> to come out with these different ideas. The you know, Brett and I were talking beforehand, just they give you three hints. So this game really wants you to proceed through the entire experience. It's not like one hint and then you have to buy additional hints or using game currency for hints or anything like that. All three hints are readily available at the start. For me, I try to figure it out with just that first hint, but they do give you that option. Yeah, so when, by default, those hints will reduce your multiplier for score-wise if you look at more than one of them. And so they have this whole weird system of swaps, which for a free game, you would have thought you'd have to pay to unlock different swap choices. But by default, they give you this swap, which gives you the first word of the clue right away, which is almost too much information. I wish they didn't give you that by default. I didn't even realize that was like a helper that they were giving. I just thought that was kind of a tutorial for the first couple of levels. And once I got in, I'm like, they still are giving me the whole first word. This doesn't seem right. Like, it's way too much information. Then I noticed there's a little swaps. Uh, you can swap out which helper you have. So the first one is the first word free. Then the other ones, there's other ones where you keep your multiplier if you get a, a score wrong. So it's really not giving you any kind of clues to the word itself. There's another one that fills in all the vowels for you. There's one uh, where if you view the clues, it doesn't count against your score. And then there's other ones where you start with like a multiplier. So I just immediately set it to one of the ones that doesn't affect my score where if maybe like if I view all of the, the clues, it wouldn't affect my score. That way I'm not given any kind of actual letters or anything of the puzzle and I can figure it out myself. A few of the, you said they weren't puns, but a few of them kind of are play Some on are words punny, where they but are like punny, but I wouldn't say they all are. Yeah. Are punny. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's more of a play on words for some of them, but I wouldn't call them, like, hilariously funny. Usually you can figure out pretty much what it is, and I, I would say I had more trouble. I got things wrong only because the keyboard wasn't keeping up with me typing in oh, the correct my. answer yes. uh, versus me actually getting it wrong. And, but then I lost my multiplier because it counted as a wrong guess, so... But I, I, I mean, it's it was fairly simple. It was fairly straightforward, especially if you read through all three of the clues. But it was still kind of humorous and fun, uh, just as like a little activity to to waste some time. Yeah, it's a fun little word game to build on that before and after idea. You know, like never ending Toy Story. So you got never ending story plus Toy Story, and you got this whole little before and after thing from the little clues, and just building on those kind of ideas. I think the scoring system is. If you care about it, it will keep you coming back to, you know, try to get all 10 puzzles right in a row, you know, not messing up with typos or not figuring it out or using the special hints that actually impact your multiplier, you know, just kind of play it purely. But all those additional options, and if you don't care about the scoring system, there's not much challenge at all in this game. But if you try to kind of keep that separate, there's some challenge as you go. Yeah, so, like, usually I care about the scores, and this one I really didn't care yeah, at I didn't all. Either. I just wanted to <laughs> they go didn't on make to it the next level. To care. No, I remember this one also. I'm trying to remember it because I turned off the ads again. I, I, I mean, I turned on airplane mode. I seem to remember there were quite a few ads. It seemed like so every it, two puzzles there was an ad. Yeah, so you get a airplane mode. 10. Airplane mode was pretty helpful uh, in this one as well, but uh, yeah. 
if you like little, simple, fairly simple word games, uh, definitely check this one out. Yep, Call Me Frazy is free, it's universal. And then I'll let you introduce Zombicide since it's right up your alley. Okay, yeah, so Zombicide is actually based on a board game, but instead of having like a multiplayer board game, they changed it around so it's a tactical strategy game for a single player. So what happens is you have a team of these various characters and each of them have kind of their own abilities and stats. And as you go through, you're trying to go through level by level, clearing out this town, uh, they give you little missions to complete. And you basically have to take out zombies, avoid getting your characters killed, and you collect these canned goods as you go, and use those canned goods to unlock additional characters, unlock additional abilities, level up your characters, uh, level up your weapons, which will then help you in the next round to then maybe kill things faster or move on. And so uh, what happens is, as you enter into a an area, you have movement points and you have uh, these dice that you roll when you're attacking. So you're based on what weapons your character has. They can either be one or two squares away or they have to be in the same square as the zombies to attack them. If you leave any zombies around at the end of your turn, when it's their turn to move, they're going to attack you and you're going to lose health. On your turn when you're attacking, you roll the dice that you have and they can either come up with a hit or a not hit and then you do damage to those zombies based on whatever level your your weapon happens to be at. So your weapon range may say it kill it shoots between like 5 and 10. Sometimes you get a critical hit, which is even more than that. Sometimes you get a miss. And if you're in the same space as one of your other people in your party, you might accidentally hit them on a miss. So you might actually end up hurting your own teammate uh, just because you missed shooting the zombie, you shot your own friendly fire, took out one of your own people. So you're just basically trying to go through level by level, uh, doing whatever the, the mission happens to be, and then you'll end up at a big boss battle at the end of this section, and then if you can beat the boss battle, then you move on and you unlock a new part of the city to then go through. And there's this narrative that kind of goes throughout that, is the reason why you're going through as these characters and discovering other characters as you go. Yeah, it's really surprising to have kind of a traditional board game that I have no experience in and just come in blind as just this more of a tactical strategy game. And they've done a really good job if you just look at it from that perspective, regardless of previous knowledge, just to have that kind of idea where you take your turn, you have your team with different abilities where a gun or a close combat like sword is going to change the way you do things and then the zombies have a turn and you kind of split your team up to go into these specific ordered sequences like you need to go collect uh resources from this different building or you need to traverse the map for other challenges all while the zombies take a turn every time that you move and those zombies become more powerful and can overrun your characters again because your attacks are going to be based on the randomness of the dice Right. And so one of the things you can do is instead of attacking, there'll be like items kind of spread throughout these, this ramshackled city and you can move your characters over and spend action points to kind of explore these mysterious items that you find. And there'll be additional weapons. And as you collect 
more of the same types of weapons, you can actually get it to a point where you have two of the same type of weapon. If you equip certain characters with two of the same weapon, they get like this akimbo bonus, where because they have the same bon uh, weapon in each hand, now they're like twice as powerful, and so now you can do some serious damage. But you might have the trade-off where maybe now this character only has a melee weapon. They don't have a ranged weapon. So if they're going to do an attack, you have to go in up close with them. So maybe you only send them into a, a square that has one or two zombies where you think they could take them out. Uh, and like as one other aspect that I didn't mention yet was as you're kind of trying to complete the mission, there's this kind of threat level that goes up. And when that reaches certain points, now the, the more powerful zombies start spawning, but you're, you unlock additional abilities for your characters. So now they might get an additional attack die or they might get an additional die that helps them move. But as you go into each one of these missions, they kind of give you an idea of these are the type of characters you want to bring. So they tell you like the category of of character you definitely want to have on your team so maybe there's you definitely want to have a melee person on your team or someone who has can move far distances because so, you have might have to have your final mission might be to get someone to the exit and if someone can move fast they'll get to the exit and get out so it does a nice job of kind of preparing you for the missions as you go in but you may not have leveled up your characters high enough yet or the weapons in which case you're just going to have to go in probably die but at least collect some cans while you're in there and then level things up and try again until maybe you can make it through and hopefully with none of your characters dying but at least with the minimum number that you need to pass the mission yeah if you like any of the kind of those zombie apocalypse games you're right at home with the usual core concepts and story ideas and then if you like any kind of tactical strategy where the order of operations for each one of your characters' abilities and upgrade trees are essential. I mean, you're going to be right at home in this game, regardless if you've, you know, ever liked digital board games or card-based battle games or anything like that. You know, it, it somehow takes a familiar idea and translates it to a different genre that perfectly works on iOS. Yeah, this kind of fills that void for me left when the... the you remember The Walking Dead, the one based on the comic book? There was that strategy game. Did you ever uh -huh. play that one? Yeah, I, that was a good. That's one. no longer on the App Store, and so I really miss that game. This kind of fills that exact void that was left from that game because I I used to play that a lot, and this kind of has some of the similar elements to it. Uh, and it just I just I've never played the digital the actual physical board game of this. It's a big beast of a game. It's pretty expensive, but uh, this digital version even though it's a single player this is what i usually end up playing anyway so i had no problems i'm sure there were some people that were upset uh because it wasn't multiplayer you couldn't play the actual board game but i think this is almost better it's different it's fun asmodee digital always does it upright uh and i think they just really knocked it out of the park with this one yep so that's zombicide it's 4.99 it's universal and then there's sync party hard which is a game that really takes advantage of the accelerometer on your iOS device. And it's interesting that these type of games are really hot when the App Store began back 20, 2008, 2010, all that kind of good stuff. And recently they have kind of haven't seen them at all. So this game is a shout out to the past while still having kind of those modern ideas where essentially you tilt your device 
vertically, horizontally, 360 degrees to try to get these broken puzzle pieces back together to form these familiar objects. Because the storyline is that Hercules has had a party with all these other gods and demigods, and it's broken the fabric of the universe. So you need to put Earth back together, the sun, you know, elephants, giraffes, squids, whatever have you, all these different creatures and elements of the universe. And it's all just comes from tilting your device all the way. So this is a game you might need to even get up because you're going to be spinning your device every which way. Almost it's going to be like upside down and tilted, like dropped in front of you all kinds of different ways. Yeah, we talked about it last week. We didn't want to get up and move around <laughs> to play games. And now we played this one. I, I love the story. I love the lead in. Uh, the gameplay itself, I felt like I wish I could have adjusted the the uh sensitive how sensitive the tilting yeah. was because it felt like you really almost had to like lean over but then the pieces would move fast and then then you would tilt the exact same way and then they move slow and so it didn't seem to really have any kind of consistency to it sometimes i just really felt like i had to contort to get this to go in the direction i wanted to other times it it was nice and smooth uh it just felt really repetitive to me i i don't know about you but uh, they did try to switch things up a little bit, but overall, it just felt like I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I felt the same exact way on both counts. First, that it wasn't consistent from level to level of how much I'm tilting the device to impact the X and Y axis. It, it was really weird in that regard. And then the idea that the levels all kind of blended together, like they changed the picture and the number of pieces. But it's the same idea as you're kind of tilting it every different way. When I first saw the trailer for this game, I thought of Shadowmatic. And Shadowmatic is absolutely amazing, where you manipulate a 2D object, you know, essentially to create this 3D shadow. And, or no, it's the inverse. You manipulate the 3D object to create the 2D shadow. But regardless, that game is all touch-based. You know, you're not tilting your device. You manipulate it all just with your fingers. And that game is absolutely amazing just with the amount of complexities that you can draw from the 3D to 2D translation. And this game is fully 2D, but you're moving yourself in 3D, and that doesn't necessarily translate to variety in gameplay. Yeah, no, I thought Shadowmatic was a much better game than this. And I, I don't know if it's because I didn't have to get up and, and like contort my body to do it. I just think overall the the puzzles were more interesting in that where this I feel like they they tried to add a little variety, but it really didn't do much. Everything kind of just blended together. Sometimes the objects didn't really even look like what they were. And then all of a sudden we combine and change into something that looked a lot more like what it was supposed to be. I, I don't know. It just it felt like you had too many chefs probably putting this thing together and or they kind of divvied up the coding and no one was really on the same page. And then they decided to just combine everything together. And you just kind of get this mishmash of things that from level to level, things just don't work the same. And it was just kind of a disappointment, especially, yeah, that trailer really kind of hooks you and makes you think this looks like a lot of fun. And just they really with the whole story and everything. And then it just ends up being kind of a, a bland level-to-level -level kind of game never really gets interesting. 
And then you get to that point where once you do contort your body all these different ways, you have to get it just right. Like, say there's these little tiny gaps and you're like holding your device completely upside down and your body's contorted. And it's like it just won't lock in. You know, there's a, <laughs> I know <laughs> there's a timing thing to this whole thing. And you're like, I got the, the shape practically right. Just give it to me. And it you have to get it even more precise. Yeah, I remember that with the uh, squid. Mm-hmm. It really wouldn't line up for some reason. And I cannot imagine playing this game in any kind of public situation. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was here by myself. But imagine someone playing this on the train. How annoying this would be if you're on like a subway and the guy next to you is playing this. Shadowmatic, not so much. This, yep. yes. So that's Sync Party Hard. It's $2.99. It's universal. And then one last one I just want to mention, because I love me, my digital board games, Shards of Infinity. This game just came out uh, in physical form last year. It's a deck builder that comes from uh, Gary Arant and Justin Gary, who uh, they were the... I know, yeah, it's kind of Gary and Gary. Uh, They're the guys who did Ascension. And Ascension, if you remember, Stoneblade Entertainment, that was an amazing deck builder app. And then uh, uh, Stoneblade also did Soulforge, which was an awesome some really unique deck building game uh, that was digital only and then that ended up getting shut down they couldn't really figure out how to get make money on it uh well now shards infinity is a deck builder and it uh this app is actually developed by temple gates who put out the race for the galaxy app which was fantastic as well and so Instead of going through, I mean, a lot of people who, if you listen to this, you've probably played a deck builder before. You basically have a handful of cards, of base cards. Everyone has the same base cards. You're playing cards to either uh, get currency or get attack power. And in this case, the currency is gems. And you're trying to attack your opponent, get their health down to zero first before you lose all your health and you use those uh, gems to purchase new cards that go into your deck and you're constantly trying to upgrade your deck with bigger and better cards. So what is what sets Shards of Infinity apart from all these other deck builders like Ascension and Star Realms? Well, there's a couple things that this does that are really unique that I thought I'd just highlight quickly in uh, as far as Shards of Infinity goes. And so they have almost like this fourth uh currency and it's called mastery and so what it is is your hero starts with 50 health and none of this mastery the mastery is cool and unique because what happens is you're building up each player can build up this pool of mastery by playing cards that give you mastery or you can trade in one of your gems each turn for a mastery point and as you increase your mastery to like 5 10 15 20 you start to upgrade your existing cards. So all the cards you have, or well, most of the cards you purchase, uh, they get upgraded as you go just by you increasing this mastery level. And now they might give you more attack power, they give you more gems, or they combo in, in new and different ways. And so without even having to really do anything to your deck per se by adding new cards, you're upgrading it just through upgrading this mastery power. And if somehow you're able to get your mastery all the way up to 30 every player has this uh shard of infinity card within their deck and that thing if you get it up to a 30 mastery it gives you infinite power for that one turn so it's basically an insta death for your for your opponent and and when you play the card in the obviously this doesn't happen in the uh physical game but when you play it in the digital game everything goes black and you hear a snap and then 
it, your opponent's wiped out, the game's over, and so it's obviously a a nod to uh, Avengers, but uh, I thought that was really cool. And just one other aspect that is really, it's kind of different about this game, is they have these things called mercenary cards, and when you play, when you pick up a mercenary card, when you purchase it from the row of cards you can purchase, you can either put it into your deck where it'll come up and then you can eventually use it and you can use it over and over and over again every time it comes up or you have the option when you purchase this to play it right away and use it as a one-time use card and you get whatever its ability is but you only get it once so this can be a like a lifesaver if you're about to die and maybe it's a card that gives you health or maybe your opponent's just on the ropes almost dead you can use this card right away without having to wait for it to come up in your deck have the added power and maybe take them out and win the game. So these really kind of change the flow over any other kind of deck builder I've seen where it gives the player the option of, do I want to have this be a reoccurring, like constantly keep on getting to use this nice card, or am I going to blow it, maybe keep my deck nice and lean and use it right away for a one-time use? And so it makes for some interesting decisions and makes it different than... Uh, maybe other deck builders you've pay, played in the past. Sounds good. So that's Shards of Use Infinity at $7.99. It's universal. I think that's everything for episode 102. Yep, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.